Hey, well, today I know is a big baseball day. Anybody interested in what's going to go on the rest of the day? Yes, a few of you, absolutely. Uh, but today I wanted to start off our service by celebrating and just taking a moment to celebrate that it is football season, friends. It is football season. I just want to celebrate good times. Football's for you. Football's for you. One in the back. Oh, watch out. Sorry. They're coming hot. They're coming hot, friends. If I, you're waving, they're coming at you. I see you. Uh-huh. We got a couple more. Yep. Uh-huh. Come back. And we're going deep. Heads up. Sorry. That was dangerous first service, and yet I did it again. Um, I wanted to celebrate football season. You know, I love football. I love watching it. I love playing it. Love fantasy football. Any other fantasy footballers out there? Okay, a couple. Good. Um, I just love football. Um, however, we're in church. So I'm going to be honest, a little vulnerable. There's something about football I don't quite, I can't wrap my head around. Like I get the game, I could watch it, enjoy it, explain it. The complexity of some of these NFL offenses is like, I, I don't, I can't understand. I don't wrap my head around just like how intricate they really are. Like you think football, you think meathead, musclehead, dumb, but so much intelligence required to be successful at football, so much. And so much of it comes down to the play caller. So much of it comes down to the guy on the sidelines playing the call. Uh, the reason why the Bears, the Chicago Bears, my Chicago Bears, uh, are having such a killer year, and as of right now, spoiler alert for those, there's nobody in here that cares about the Bears game. Oh, yes, there are. Okay, okay, okay. Spoiler alert, 35 to 3 at the half. Bears, okay? Right? Yes, absolutely. Uh, part of the resurgence of the Chicago Bears organization is thanks largely in part to play caller and new head coach Matt Nagy. Uh, just so much of the game comes down to the guy calling the plays. Um, this morning, we are continuing along in the book of Acts. We're continuing in the story of Paul. And our section of scripture today doesn't necessarily have like this huge, deep theological principle contained uh, therein. However, there's an overarching theme the overarching theme is the overwhelming providence of God. The overwhelming providence of God. God is the ultimate play caller. Just as an NFL play caller, an offensive coordinator coach, needs to know his personnel, needs to devise and come up with a good offensive scheme, then uh, execute his plan, the ultimate play caller, all of those things, yes, he sees the big picture, uh, but the crazy thing is our God can actually like get out on the field and start moving pieces around. Uh, it's going to be pretty cool to dive in as we see uh, that happening this morning. If you guys would bow with me for a word of prayer before we dive into the word. Father God, uh, Lord, we are thankful for a chance to come and lift your name high this morning. Um, Lord, as we just dive into your word, uh, I truly just ask that um, I wouldn't mess it up, that I would stay out of your way, that you would be speaking to hearts I pray just that the truths that are contained in this passage uh, about who you are and how you operate in this world, um, Lord, I just pray that you would just get what you need to get across, across. Uh, we love you, and thank you for a chance to be in your word this morning. Praise the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. If you guys would flip with me to Acts chapter 23, we are picking up in our story, and we're going to start off by seeing the massive difference between God's plan and man's plan. Acts chapter 23. 
3. If you guys remember, there's been this tension escalating between Paul and the Jews. This tension just continues to build and build. Remember, Paul was warned not to go to Jerusalem. He went. He was almost beaten. There's been angry mobs. He was arrested. He was almost flogged. People are just hating Paul. People are hating Paul. If you remember back last week, Paul was in the council with the Pharisees and the Sadducees. There was like tension building there. People were name calling. There was threats. One dude punched Paul right in the mouth. Remember that? The mouth punch. Um, and then after that, the whole council kind of erupted in violence and Paul had to be taken away. So that's, what, that's kind of where we left off last week. And just when you think, like, it can't get any more intense, it can't continue to escalate and get higher and higher, it does again today. Uh, I would say today is kind of like the climax of intensity of what's been going on with Paul and the Jews. So we're going to dive in here to verse 12 is where we're picking up from last week. Verse 12. When it was day... The Jews made a plot and bound themselves by an oath neither to eat nor drink till they had killed Paul. There were more than 40 who made this conspiracy. They went to the chief priests and elders and said, we have strictly bound ourselves by an oath to taste no food till we have killed Paul. Now therefore you, along with the council, give notice to the tribune to bring him down to you as though you were going to determine his case more exactly. And we are ready to kill him before he comes near. Take a break right there. Uh, things are not looking very good for Paul, right? Would you agree? Like knowing what we know here, 40 plus guys coming together, things do not look very good. I don't know if you can see the scene. I can kind of see the scene of these guys just in a room, getting fired up, getting more heated, just kind of like escalating. Well, I dislike Paul uh, very much. And another guy just like, I, I hate Paul. Oh, oh, really? Well, I'm going to kill Paul. Okay, you're crazy. I'm going to kill, I'm going to kill Paul. And just like, just the escalation. Like I can just see it in that room of just how much they hate this guy. They take an oath not to eat until they kill him. The crazy part is then they get the chief priests and the elders involved in this massive conspiracy that kind of goes all the way up to the top. Have you seen those movies, those police movies, where the chief, chief of police is uh, a dirty cop, he's crooked, uh, politics all the way up to the president is dirty? Like, it's one of these type of scenarios. There's this massive conspiracy to kill Paul. Huge, all the way up to the top. However, before we start getting uh, too concerned for Paul's well-being, I do want to remind you of what we read last week. If you guys would look back, to verse 11 there in your scripture. Verse 11 is the verse that we ended off with last week, and it says this. The following night, that's after the council meeting, the Lord stood by Paul and said, take courage, for as you have testified to the facts about me in Jerusalem, so you must testify also in Rome. So right now what we've got, we have two plans. Plan number one, we've got God's plan. God says that Paul is going to Rome so that he can testify. Plan number two, we've got man's plan. We've got these 40 guys who are ready to ambush Paul uh, as he comes and kill Paul that night. We're going to take a little quick vote. Uh, this is very spiritual activity. Um, we're going to take a quick vote. Everybody must vote once. You vote by raising your hands. Who thinks that Paul is going to die this evening at the hands of these 40 plus men? Okay, uh, second option, and again, everybody has to vote. Uh, 
Who thinks Paul's going to go to Rome and testify? Okay, pretty, maybe not 100%, but pretty, yeah, that's pretty good. Um, For sake of argumentation and because uh, I really want to hammer this home maybe a little bit too much. Jeremy, would you come up on stage? Thanks for bringing this up here. Yeah, come on up. I did not tell you I was going to bring you up, did I? Okay, good. Uh, So uh, gambling in church, maybe not, uh, yeah, maybe not something that we'll do all the time. This is fake money, okay? Complete, no exchange of currency will happen here. Uh, But Jeremy, if, if I believed that Paul was going to die tonight at the hands of these 40 guys, uh, I remember I saw you, you raised your hand that you think he's going to Rome. Yes. Okay, so if I was willing to put money on the line, if I was willing to bet you $5, would you take that bet from me? Yeah. Okay. Okay. How about $100? Yeah. Okay, you would take that bet. If I had $100, I would. Excellent, this is good. Again, <laughs> good answer, good answer. Uh, $1,000. If, 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 sure, sure. Okay, $100,000, if you had that to wager, would you wager it? Okay, so far I'm seeing it. What I put down, I'm doubling, so yes. Okay, good. Excellent. I like where your head's at. Last one, a million dollars. Would you do it for a million dollars? A million, two million, yes. Okay, thank you. You are a gambling fiend. Get out of here. Um, So, who else would take that bet with me for a million dollars? Who would take the bet? Okay, good, good amount of you, right? It's just interesting to me how we can be so, so overwhelmingly assured that God's plan here is going to succeed versus man's plan. Overwhelmingly so. Willing to put a million dollars on the line. Uh, But yet, in our own lives, as we think of the grand scheme, we can be less convinced uh, sometimes that God's ultimate plan is going to be, uh, is going to come, come through. Sometimes, I think that we can be distracted by how seemingly our world is spiraling downward. Um, Just even the events of this last week, uh, like Chad was talking about, and uh, just realizing, yeah, just where is our country headed? Uh, I think we can take our eyes off the fact that God's ultimate plan cannot be stopped. He is in complete control, 100%, and there's nothing that anyone can do to stop that plan. There's nothing that the far left can do. There's nothing the far right. There's nothing that the media can do. There's nothing that... Uh, Christian churches that claim the name of Jesus but yet are filled with hate or false doctrine. Um, There's nothing that terrorist organizations can do. There's nothing that anyone can do to stop God's ultimate plan. He is in complete control. He is not in fear of his plan being ruined by any way, shape, or form. And I know that's not a brand new fact or it's not mind-blowing information. However, it's, it's good to be, one, just reassured of that fact And two, it's a good foundation for where we're going the rest of the morning. Another thing that stood out to me before we continue on in the story is just something that God's kind of been just talking to me about over the last couple weeks. And I don't know if you've ever experienced something like this, but uh, have you ever had a time when God is just continually bringing up scripture along the same lines uh, with the same message or he's uh, just talking to you about the same thing over and over again? Well, that's been happening to me for the last uh, couple weeks and just wanted to Uh, point out something in regards to this little piece of scripture that really has just stood out to me. Anybody else amazed by the overwhelming hatred for Paul? Like, just as we've been reading the story for the last couple of weeks and months, just the overwhelming hatred for Paul. Um, I I heard a quote from a renowned pastor and theologian, um, Scott Kegel, 
Uh, he said, he said two weeks ago, he said, we're the smell of death. He said, believers are the smell of death to a world that's perishing. And that's from 2 Corinthians chapter 2. We're the smell of death, but only if we open our mouths. Only if we open our mouths. If I'm being honest, me personally, I try to avoid persecution. I try to avoid conflict. Um, really, at, at, just naturally at any cost. Um, I, don't, I don't enjoy that. But the more that God's kind of just been bringing scripture, even just the last couple weeks, um, and this isn't me like doing a Google search for like scripture on persecution. This is just stuff that he's like bringing up in my quiet time with him. Uh, but the more that I read scripture and the more the Lord just brings scripture to my mind, uh, I think that's just my flesh being weak. Um, I wanted to point out just a couple of scriptures that have come up. Uh, the first one is 2 Timothy 3.12. And it says this, Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Notice the all and the will. All who desire to live a godly life will be persecuted. John 15, 19 through 20 says this. If you are of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. They will also persecute you. Both Paul and Jesus, Paul here talking to Timothy and Jesus in the book of John, uh, are saying, if we're living this thing right, if we're following Jesus the way that we're meant to follow him, like persecution is going to come. It's not a question of if, it's a question of, of when. Persecution will come. The two go together. Yeah, as I've just thinking, been thinking about it for my life, man, what a, uh, just something to reevaluate and think through. Like, how am I, how am I living? Um, and not that we're supposed to like be Jesus jerks and like hitting people in the face, uh, you know, no mouth punches. Um, but not that we're supposed to be Jesus jerks, but just Jesus is divisive. He just is. The message of Jesus is divisive. We're supposed to speak about him with all gentleness and with all respect. The message is what's divisive. So the question is, I don't know. It just, it's a reevaluation for me. I know that for sure. Uh, I received an email. Uh, I subscribed to this organization called Open Doors. Uh, Open Doors talks about the persecuted church in the world. And I got an email from them uh, just last week. And uh, it was the story of this teenage girl, uh, a Nigerian teenage girl. She's a 15-year-old um, named Leah Sharibu. I think we've got a picture of her. Um, and Leah, along with 99 other classmates, uh, were kidnapped a few months ago by the Boko Haram, which is a, an extreme Islamic terrorist organization. And uh, they were kidnapped a few months ago. And the reason why they sent out an email just this past week, um, they were just kind of telling the story how... Uh, 99, her 99 classmates uh, got released, uh, but Leah is still being held by the Boko Haram because she refused to renounce her relationship with Jesus um, and convert to Islam. And so they sent out the email just to kind of give a little update and say that the Boko Haram had murdered uh, another woman that was in their custody. Um, she wasn't part of that 100 group, but she was there, and now they're making threats on Leah's life if the Nigerian government doesn't give them whatever they need. Um, so it was basically just an email just asking to pray. Just pray for, for Leah. Um, and I was just thinking about this. A 15-year-old girl willing to stand strong, stay in custody of people that potentially will kill her because her relationship with Jesus means that much. And I was just thinking, man, just like 
I'm so glad that we don't deal with this type of persecution here in the States. I really am. Uh, and it's not like a put down to America or the American church or whatever. Uh, I really am just so glad that we don't have to deal with that. However, it's like kind of one of those like introspection times uh, for me, just like, man, if I'm in her shoes, what do I do? 15-year-old girl. And uh, man, the type of persecution that she has to worry about versus the type of persecution that I have to worry about, just how it's night and day. And um, just the idea of, man, am I, am I avoiding at all costs? Am I keeping my mouth, clo- mouth closed at all costs? Um, when I know persecution, if I'm following after Jesus the right way, should come. Maybe that, uh, maybe that strikes home with you. It, sh- it struck home with me this week for sure. Uh, number two, God is, in- is capable of orchestrating circumstances. God is capable of orchestrating circumstances. Go ahead and take a look at verse 16. Now the son of Paul's sister heard of their ambush. So he went and emptied the barracks and told Paul. Paul called one of the centurions and said, take this young man to the tribune for he has something to tell him. So he took him and brought him to the tribune and said, Paul the prisoner called me and asked me to bring this young man to you as he has something to say to you. The tribune took him by the hand and going aside asked him privately, what is it that you have to tell me? And he said, the Jews have agreed to ask you to bring Paul down to the council tomorrow as though they were going to inquire somewhat more closely about him. But do not be persuaded by them for more than 40 of their men are lying in ambush for him who have bound themselves by an oath neither to eat nor drink till they have killed him. And now they are ready waiting for your consent. So the tribune dismissed the young man charging him, tell no one that you have informed me of these things. All right. So first of all, did anybody realize that Paul has a sister and a nephew? Anybody realize that? Isn't that kind of crazy? Like we read through scripture. I don't know. This doesn't make sense, but I just kind of assumed that Paul didn't have a family. Uh, Like it's just Paul the apostle. Like I don't have family. I just do the Lord's work. Uh, Doesn't make sense, but it's cool to like see here in scripture. We see like a little bit of into Paul's life. He's got a sister. He has a nephew. Um, Pretty cool. And it's neat to just see like God here in this section. We're just like starting to see him move behind the scenes. Like he's starting to move. Uh, I think it's pretty cool that his nephew, out of all people, hears of this scheme. He hears of this plot. Paul's own family hears that there's this murder attempt, massive conspiracy on Paul's life. So it's pretty cool. Paul's nephew goes. He tells Paul. Remember, Paul is uh, in protective custody. He hasn't been charged with a crime, so he's allowed to receive visitors. So nephew comes, tells Paul, Paul gets the centurion, centurion gets the tribune. Tribune like actively listens, brings him aside, holds his hand, listens, and tells him not to tell anybody. It's crazy to see how quickly the pieces are moving. Just hours ago, even minutes ago, we're thinking, this is not looking good for Paul. But it's crazy to see kind of the Lord behind the scenes moving. I see God's fingerprints all over this. All over this. Already, just at the beginning, we can see God's fingerprints um, all over. Question for us this morning is, is how well do we do at seeing God's fingerprints? Um, Some people could look at this story. Some people could look at what's happened just now and say, well, coincidence, you know? Like, Paul's nephew happened to hear, it it, it happened. However, if you ask Paul, I guarantee you, he'd say like, yeah, the Lord was behind that 100%, without a doubt. How well do you do at recognizing God's fingerprints? As Linz and I were talking about it just this week and I was preparing for, for today, um, we were just kind of talking about a couple of stories and it's crazy when you sit and like actually think about it, how many stories of God's fingerprints start to come up. 
And uh, one of those stories, one of those examples that came up for us this week as we were just talking through is uh, my wife started a wedding coordinating business uh, recently within the last few months, and it's been crazy. It's been crazy to see God's hands and his fingerprints just all over it. We're not like these business moguls or, uh, I don't know, she's super good at her job, which helps. Um, But it's just crazy to see God just like moving the pieces. A couple of things that really have stuck out to us this last week um, as we were thinking about is is we started trying to have a baby a couple uh, months back, and if we would have had a baby when, when we wanted to, man, her business would not have been born, which is just kind of crazy to see like that kind of uh, combination, but just crazy to see that. And then the other thing is uh, Tommy and Annie Knapp, who attend here at the church, some of our best friends, they volunteer with the high school ministry. Uh, they've been here at the church for a little bit, and we've just got to know them. And they own and operate a wedding venue, Brookview Ranch, check it out. Um, and Uh, Just crazy to see kind of the Lord just like moving behind the scenes and working things out and how they're like in need of wedding coordinating, people that are good at their job and how they've been able to recommend business to Lindsay and how that's just kind of been like a cool thing of seeing like God's fingerprints just all over it. Um, It's just kind of blown our minds a little bit as we've sat down and and like thought about it. Uh, Another one just for me personally is I work with the high school ministry here at the church and I get to be involved with like planning trips Uh, and and organizing trips. And so as I sit down and I organize like our student leadership retreat or our agape trips with the kids, it's crazy how I kind of lay out my plan and things never go exactly according to plan, but they always end up going better because God's just like in the details. It's crazy to me that God cares about the details in our lives. And if we look for it, like we see the fingerprints just all over the place, all over the place. If you rewind with me back to that moment, when Paul hears the news, I don't know if you can see it, but if you can see his nephew coming in and he tells him, Paul, there's this murder attempt, like 40 plus dudes, like it goes to the very top. Do you wonder like what goes on in Paul's head and in Paul's heart in that moment? Uh, I was thinking, I wonder if it's just like another day at the office, you know, like, yeah, I'm Paul, the apostle, that's what happens. Um, or if it's like he has that freak out moment, um, or if he's just like, you know, I just trust that God's going to get me to Rome because he said he would. Uh, I don't know. Like I was thinking about that this week and I think it's hard to like speculate on his heart and kind of like the feelings and emotions. Uh, But what we can notice is one observation about his actions. What happened that in that moment when the nephew came in and told him the plan? Did he say, thank you, nephew. I appreciate this information. I wonder what is going to happen. I wonder how Paul... Uh, the Lord is going to get me to Rome. He didn't. What did he do? Immediately he acted, right? Immediately he acted and went and told the centurion. Uh, A couple months ago, uh, I was up here and I was talking about uh, God's waiting room. And sometimes how there's just things in our lives that we want really, really bad. Um, But God just knows like the right timing for us. And if it's not the right timing, he wants us to wait and just wait on him and wait patiently and... um, just knowing that his timing is good and to just sit and wait in his waiting room. Uh, And that's absolutely still true. However, as I was reading through this, it's hard for me to ignore maybe this being the the flip side of that same coin, how uh, sometimes God is moving and orchestrating circumstance in a way to speak to us. Um, And I'm not saying that we need to act completely based 100% on circumstance. There should be like getting in God's word and really seeking after him in prayer and asking other people and like using a lot of wisdom for sure. However, 
Sometimes there are those scenarios in our lives where God is so clearly moving, so clearly orchestrating things. It doesn't make sense otherwise. It doesn't make sense. If God didn't do this, it doesn't make sense why this didn't happen. If God's not orchestrating things, it doesn't make sense why this happened. Sometimes God is orchestrating circumstances in our lives to speak to us. And I'm just saying, if there are those undeniable times of God's movement in our lives, it would be foolish not to pay attention because we want our thing over here. Um, we need to pay attention to how God's moving and orchestrating in our lives. Number three, God is in control of the results. God is in control of the results. Verse 23 says this, then he, the tribune, called two of the centurions and said, get ready 200 soldiers with 70 horsemen and 200 spearmen to go as far as Caesarea at the third hour of the night that's starting at 9 p.m. Also provide mounts for Paul to ride and bring him safely to Felix the governor. And he wrote a letter to this effect. Sorry, I need to get my letter reading voice ready. <clears throat> Claudius Lysias, to His Excellency the Governor Felix, greetings. This is what happened. Here's Paul. Enjoy. Take it. Okay, if you want to read the letter, go ahead and read it. It's a great letter. Uh, we're going to skip down to verse 31. Okay, verse 31. So, the soldiers, according to their instructions, took Paul and brought him by night to Antipatris. On the next day, they returned to the barracks letting the horsemen go on with them. When they had come to Caesarea and delivered the letters to the governor, they presented Paul also before him. On reading the letter, he asked what province he was from. And when he learned that he was from Cilicia, he said, I will give you a hearing when your accusers arrive. And he commanded him to be guarded in Herod's praetorium. All right. So the tribune, his name is Claudius. Everybody say Claudius. Claudius. Much better than first service. Much better. One more time. Claudius. Claudius. All right. Claudius listens to Paul's nephew. He acts immediately. He gets 470 soldiers, 400 on foot, 70 on horse. They travel through the night, 35 miles to Antipatris. At that point, the 400 on foot turn around, go back to Jerusalem. Nice 70 mile, just like through the night. Worst night ever. The 70 on horse take him the rest of the way, like another 20 miles down to Caesarea. They come down to the governor, Felix. He reads this awesome letter. He finds that he has jurisdiction, okay? That's what he's trying to figure out by asking where Paul's from. So he's from Cilicia. Felix has jurisdiction. He will listen to the case. He agrees to hear it, and then he puts Paul in Herod's praetorium. Things have absolutely turned around for Paul, right? Just like back 12 hours ago, it's crazy how things have turned around. This huge, massive conspiracy up to the top, things are looking horrible. Two, 470 armed guards are transporting him. 470. If there was 470 people in this room, we would all be standing shoulder to shoulder like this. 470 armed guards uh, usher him down to Caesarea to get heard. And on top of all of that, he gets put up in Herod's praetorium. And he's gonna be there for a few months as we go on uh, through the book of Acts. He's gonna be there for a few months. Herod's praetorium is, uh, is a pretty cool spot. It's a palace, huge palace, Herod's palace on the Mediterranean Sea. Um, I have a picture of it that I would like to show you. When I was up here speaking a couple of months back, 
Uh, we, Paul had just arrived in Caesarea. And so I showed you a picture when uh, Linz and I got a chance to go to Israel back in January. This is us standing right there at Herod's Praetorium in Caesarea. Look at that, overlooking the coast, the ships in the background, just how it would have been back then. Um, just absolutely, absolutely beautiful, stunning place. Like five stars out of five stars. Like super, super lush. And Paul gets put up there. Like, Paul has to be thinking, like, this is unreal. Absolutely undeniable that God is the one working. 470 usher him down here, and now he's staying here? That's crazy. Have you seen where he's come from? Like, there are just times in our lives when God just wants to reassure, I love you so much. It is me acting. I love you. You are my son. You are my daughter. I have this under control. I am going to show you extravagantly how much I love you. Um, I was thinking about just this idea of God's like reassurance via extravagant love. And uh, a story came up. A couple of our friends, the Murphys, they were here uh, during first service. Um, their story of how they just recently moved just kind of came up. And, and I thought, I think illustrates just God's extravagant love. Just, I love you. It's me. Be reassured that I've got you. Um, they've been looking to move here over the last couple of months uh, just to accommodate their growing family and just trying to figure out the right timing. God, when's the right timing? And as they've just been praying about it and thinking about it and trying to figure out like just the timing of this thing, uh, they, they feel like, you know what? Maybe we, just, maybe we just put the house up on the market and see what happens. They put the house up on the market. It sells in a week. Crazy. They're like, wow, like this is pretty cool. Okay, God, what are you doing? Kind of seeing your fingerprints already. And so they go and they start looking for, for a new place. They need a new place to move into. And uh, they had this one like new construction area that they were really hoping to get into, but everything was sold out. Looking around other places and they kind of resigned themselves to the thought, you know what, maybe we'll just have to do the double move thing, the dreaded double move. And uh, maybe we'll sell, we'll rent for a little bit, and then we can move when the market's a little bit better. And uh, as they're looking... Uh, they went back to the place with the new construction for whatever reason, and it turns out somebody was giving up their place. They had kind of like the place that they had built, they were giving it up, they, it fell through. Uh, and so from the time that they looked at it, saw it was available, closed on it, moved in four whole weeks. They got to close concurrently with their old place. Uh, the timing was unreal, like God's fingerprints all over the place, just to kind of see how that all worked out. But the cool part was like the extravagance of God's love. Not only did he like provide a place, but it was just cool to see like how he worked it out and how extravagantly he showed like, I've got you, I love you, it was me. Like, don't be fooled, it was me. Um, a couple of things that stood out as I was talking to Kevin and just like hearing his, his side of the story. Um, a couple of bonuses were one, they were in the neighborhood that they had looked at and they really wanted and they were really even more excited about it because they're gonna just be like a block or two, block or two away from family uh, that's moving in as well. Uh, they were really hoping to get a yard that's like bucket list, uh, but they weren't sure California market if they'd be able to find a place with a yard. Uh, it turns out that there's one green belt in their entire uh, complex and their unit opens right up to it. They've got a yard just straight out uh, from their place. Uh, it was cool to hear about some of the upgrades because somebody had custom made it. Uh, some of the upgrades included flooring, lighting, granite countertops, sinks, faucets, cabinets. Uh, he kind of went on and on about just like the cool upgrades that there were. And he said, 
It's crazy. If we would have designed the place, it's probably all the stuff we would have done. Like, it's, it's like custom made for us. It's crazy. The crazy part, even crazier yet, is those $25,000 worth of upgrades uh, were viewed as standing inventory and therefore given to them for free. On top of that, $10,000 worth of closing costs covered for free. He just like went on and on just about like God's extravagant love and just how he felt like God just like gave us this place and like he was showing off. He was just showing off. Um, and I love how sometimes in life God is just extravagant with us and just like, it's me. Don't be confused. It's me. I love you. You are my son. You are my daughter. Now, on the other hand of that, Paul's story doesn't end in the palace. I know we're stopping today, like our reading for today ends in the palace, right? Paul ends there, everything's great. Paul's story doesn't end in the palace. If I was to give you a little sneak peek about uh, what's to come for Paul's life, uh, a little spoiler alert, there's a shipwreck, um, a lot of travel that's not easy. Um, And ultimately, it ends in Paul's death being beheaded. The story doesn't end in the palace. And this story is not to show that all of our stories are just headed to the palace. Some of you today don't feel like, man, I'm not even close to a palace experience. If you are in a palace experience, man, just like, how good is that? Like just soaking in God's like extravagant love. It's crazy to me. It's crazy to me that God cares about houses and God cares about businesses. It blows my mind that he cares about those things enough to show us that he loves us and bless us in those ways. Blows my mind. However, that's not the point of the story. The point of the story is to show that God is in complete control. God's plan cannot be stopped. As I was thinking about it, kind of for our lives and like bringing it down, I know like the grand scheme, the grand plan of God uh, can kind of seem a little far away and hard to like wrap our minds around. Um, like what Chad was talking about in the book of Revelation and just like the end of the story. Um, But as I was thinking about for us, man, God's plan is so much less concerned about the comforts of the palace, so much less concerned about the comforts of the palace and so much more concerned about us testifying in Rome, so much less concerned about the palace and more about testifying in Rome. Um, And as I think about, man, just like the big picture Like, I don't know, that can kind of be like a heavier thought, but man, what a reassuring thought to know what what side we're on and to know what God we have and to know that his plan is so good. Um, Wanted to finish today talking more about football because it's always good to like, you know, bring it back. Um, I love to watch football games and I typically end up watching them on DVR. Don't watch many football games live. Uh, And there's such a massive difference between watching uh, a game on DVR where you know the outcome and when you don't, like massive difference. Uh, I much prefer not knowing the the outcome um, when I'm watching games. However, if I'm watching a Bears game, right? My Chicago Bears, wonder how they're doing. Um, If I'm watching the Bears game and I do not know the outcome, okay? I'm on the edge of my seat, pins and needles, experiencing the ups and the downs, the highs and the lows, like, crying, cheering, yelling, like getting into every little up and down. However, if I know the final outcome of the game, if I know the Bears won, 
Like, it's kind of just like an amazing, relaxing, just enjoyable, like, this is all, like, we won. This is awesome. Like, I can just enjoy, uh, even when it seems like it's not looking very good, like, I can just enjoy. This is awesome. What an amazing outcome this is going to be. Our future victory is going to be incredible. I was thinking about that. Man, we have that. We have that. We have the reassurance. Like the ultimate victory is going to be won. The God of the universe is going to accomplish his ultimate plan. How incredible is that? That is incredible news. Um, What a reassuring thought for us today. And man, shouldn't that have implications for how we live our lives? Really should. Let's pray. Dear Lord, uh, God, I just thank you for your word. I thank you for just the story of Paul and how we can see you moving back then and how assured we can be that your plan back then was gonna come through and how assured today we can be that your plan is gonna come through. God, I thank you for those moments of the palace and those fingerprint moments, God, when it's so evident that you love us. It's so evident that your plan is good. Um, God, I pray that we would remember those palace moments when maybe we're out at sea or in the shipwreck or wherever we may be, God. Um, But God, ultimately, I just thank you that your plan is good. And I thank you that we can be reassured uh, that you will be victorious and there's nothing that can stop that. Lord, we love you. We thank you for a chance to be together in your house. And thank you for a chance to lift your name high. We pray this in your son, Jesus. Amen.